2 Samuel chapter 6. And I'm going to, I got to close it out today. I've been preaching this message for the last three weeks. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 11. Don't stand. Just reverence the word with your hearing and your reading. Because when we stand, we end up running around and stuff. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David rose and went all with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a what? A new card and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went unto the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments, made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and cymbals. Had a whole drum set. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it because the ox shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God smote him there for his error. And he died right there by the ark of God. And David was displeased to say the least because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah of, to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how should the ark of the Lord come to me? How, how am I going to ever get it to Jerusalem? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord into him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of who? Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom. And all his household. I'm going to bring a conclusion to this. The mishandling of God. For you that are just joining us today. We've been talking about how it's been God's desire. From the beginning of time to have a personal relationship with his people. I need you to tell somebody he's a personal Jesus. He's a personal Jesus. I mean if you look in the garden. God would come and walk and have conversations with Adam in the cool of the day. I have lifted this to you before and you can debate me on it. But I want to tell you that Adam was not lonely. There's no way in scripture it says that Adam was lonely. It says Adam was alone. And that's two different things. If you got a house full of people, sometimes you don't mind being alone. Come on. I can eat by myself and it's not awkward to me. As a matter of fact, when I'm watching a really good movie, I'd rather watch it by myself. I don't want nobody asking me a whole bunch of questions and narrating it. Shh. And if you've watched it before, be quiet. But God would just chill with Adam in the cool of the day. That says something to us that Elohim, almighty God, out of all the things he created, he created man for himself. I don't think the trees were really for God. <laughs> I think he did all of that and created it, that stuff for us. God don't need trees. Trees give us oxygen so we can breathe. Does God need oxygen to exist? 
No, he doesn't need our ecosystem. As a matter of fact, all things were created before he created Adam. He put Adam in a finished work. Something that was already done, something that was already completed. But he made Adam for himself. We were made. I know everybody's trying to find their purpose. You were made for God. You were made made for God, but the, the problem became when... When God put Adam in a, in a garden with, with choices. And if you've ever walked with God like I did in, in strict holiness, I could never be sure if I was really saved. Because there were so many rules. I could really never be sure I was saved. If I knew I was saved, it was, it was in a second or a moment of a time. And I was always afraid that if it went too long, I was going to miss it and be not saved again. I mean, really, I used to say stuff like, Lord, when you know I'm saved for real, just take me. Because 30 seconds from now, I'm going to mess it up. And so I was really never sure I was saved. And because it was all, you know, all about, ooh, make sure. And I used to say stuff like, make me do right, God. Don't give me no choices, God. Make me a robot for you, Jesus. I'm serious. I'm talking about you who desire, you know, purity with God. You pray those kind of prayers. Don't give me options. But the Lord says, if I remove from you all options, then you will never have an opportunity to choose me. I need you to look at somebody and tell them this. And if you're a writer, write it down. Tell them worship is choosing God. And there's no choosing if you have no options. And so God is walking with Adam. And that's why I tell you, I believe Adam was operating at a different speed that Adam operates today. Because what kind of speed do you operate in if you're walking with God? <laughs> you're walking with God and you have the assignment to name all of this. And manage all of this with no reference point. I believe Adam was operating in a greater capacity of his brain than we do today. I believe the limited capacity of our brains today is based upon the fall of man. (laughs) That's why I'm telling you, when you see my mind all like this, stop labeling me as ADD. Stop labeling me as ADHD just because just because my way of learning and my way of thinking cannot be locked into your narrow consideration of academics. Stop mislabeling me. I'm tapping into my God ability. Mm, Oh, my goodness. Y'all stop downplaying our kids and putting them on a bunch of drugs. Come on, put something in their hand, because if you put something in their hand, they'll work it out. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in here. (laughs) let me move on I got a lot of educators looking at me like all right (laughs) glory be to God I mean y'all think about it now how did how did before now we had teachers that taught all grades in one room come on it was creativity and paddles and rulers amen let me move on from there Adam was walking with God relationship when we look at Israel and we see the camp of Israel the, the tabernacle of God, where they would worship God, the place they would face God, where the priests would go into, was not outside the camp. It was in the center of the camp. 
That tells us that God doesn't want to be a part of our lives. He want to be in the center of our lives. And, and I'm not telling you to be this super uh, pseudo spiritual person where it's just long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Stop telling that lie. That ain't even biblical. All I need is Jesus. Yes, all you need is Jesus, but you're going to need Jesus in somebody. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you, I'm serious. This anti-church rhetoric that you all are building up now is really a cloak of antichrist. Y'all keep looking for the antichrist in the Middle East, but the antichrist is on social media talking about I can do God without doing church. You a lie. That's a, that, that is a deceit of the enemy. It's antichrist. It's presented as anti-church, but it's really anti-Christ because the church is the body of Christ. So you can't have Christ without being connected to the body. Uh oh. I know y'all don't like what I'm saying, but I'm not going to pull back. On the day, if you really believe in the rapture, you need to consider this. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back for you, and he ain't just coming back for your mama and your, your praying grandmother. He's coming back for the church. So I don't care how nice they decorated the program. If they won't save, if they won't connect it to the body, they come on, they're not going back. He's coming back for a church, and that church without a spot or a wrinkle. You got to be careful. Did you talk about, see, I'm, I'm just spiritual. I'm not religious and all of that. You don't know the Bible. The Bible says pure religion, James chapter 1. It's, it's serving others and keeping yourself undefiled from the world. I'm not religious. That means you don't, you're just saying you don't want no structure, no guidelines, no accountability in your life. I know y'all didn't shut down on me. I'm going to preach it anyway. I, I know I got some people online. Y'all helping me preach. This, this room and got a little cold on me in here. I know y'all so free that you're sitting up bound. It's antichrist. I said it's antichrist. You that's against church, against pastors, that's a spirit of the antichrist. Well, you don't know. I've been, I've been hurt in church before. Let me tell you something. Ain't nobody been hurt by the church more than Jesus. And he shows up every time we worship him. Oh, he inhabits. Hallelujah. The praises of his people. He died for us. He bled for us. He fed us. He covered us. We still did him wrong. And then when we call on him, he still answers. Look at your neighbor. Ask your neighbor, what's your excuse? It's antichrist. It's, an it's antichrist. I don't want to have nothing to do. I don't want to have nothing to do with church. It's, an, it's antichrist. It's because the enemy knows as long as you stay disconnected, you start dying. Come on, somebody. You need, tell your neighbor, we need relationship. Jesus is, he wants to be with his people, so he's in the center. He's, he's, in, the, he's in the center of his people. And when they move, when they move the whole camp, he has to stay in the center. That means any relationship you have with anybody should be an extension of your relationship with God. Because if it's not an extension of your relationship with God, it comes into competition with your relationship with God. Hallelujah. If it's not competition, 
supplementing your relationship with God. If it's not feeding your relationship with God, it's starving your relationship with God. I need you to send this word down here or tell them, no courtesy friendships. Not in this season of your life. You used to have to be friends with people because you were in elementary school. You know, you now as an adult get to choose who you sit at the table with. You as an adult, you get to choose who you sit on the phone with. Hallelujah. Because my most important relationship. It's <laughs> my relationship with God. And y'all know God told, gave them instructions on where he wanted to dwell. He says, I'm going to operate in that box. It's going to be a box made out of wood. Lavered in gold. The wood is a symbol of his sacrifice. And the gold is a symbol of his deity. It would be an image that will reflect who Jesus would be under the new covenant. A vessel uh, that carries the presence of God. And he, it, it, he says now, now you have to realize though somebody had to make it though. Someone had to make it. So something happened recently. Uh, many of you all know I, I live half of my week in Washington, D.C. And something happened recently. Uh, if you ever coming down 95 or around the, the, the loop, you'll see this, this big cathedral. Some people used to think it was uh, Disney World. It's like, oh, wow, there's Disney World. No, it's a Mormon temple. And something has happened that in this small amount of time you can actually go inside of this Mormon temple and that's not normal now you can go into a Mormon church anytime and if you don't understand what I mean when I say Mormon it's the church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints now they're not our kind of Jesus Christ right because over here we believe Jesus Christ you know they, they believe Jesus Christ is less than God over here we believe Jesus Christ is fully God amen and so, uh, so you can go into a Mormon church at any time, but only certain people can go into the temple uh, because the temple is it's consecrated. So only certain individuals. But I was able to go just a couple of months ago because after so many years, they have to renovate. And once secular people touch it, it's no longer consecrated. So during the time of it being non-consecrated, they allow non-Mormons and non-consecrated people to walk inside. Because once their apostles get there and consecrated, then there are restrictions on it again. Somebody had to build it. And while they were building it, it was not holy. But once it was consecrated, the Lord just wants me to tell some of you in here. He says, I'll come fill your space once you consecrate it. If you can consecrate a time, he said, I'll show up there. If you can consecrate a closet in your house, he said, I'll be there. If you just set a space aside. If you can set a space aside, even in some Jewish traditions, they sit a plate at the table. Hallelujah. As a sign that this space is for the Messiah. What, what space do you have in your life that's only for God? 
<laughs> I'm not hooping, but I'm preaching. What, what time, what appointment do you have with God that's not changed or, or not, that's not open to be altered based upon opportunities? I say to people all the time, what's your prayer time? They oh, I pray all the time. I, yeah, I know you do because you got a praying spirit. But what's your prayer time? Because our lives are so busy that we can think we pray more than we pray. And we end up talking more about prayer than we actually end up praying. And we find out how did we get depleted? How did the enemy get in? Because we've been busy. Oh my Lord. We've been consumed. Everything else in your life has to be scheduled. Because if it ain't scheduled, it ain't happening. I want to know what is your prayer time. Ask the person beside you. Ask them, what's your prayer time? What? What is your prayer time? Now somebody needs to answer. What is it? What time do you give God? I'm not talking about multitasking, praying and on your phone. I'm not talking about just playing Maverick City and Sounds of the Ramp. No, no, no. What are you saying? I ask people all the time. They say, I've been praying for you. I said, what you been saying? And then they be like, I, 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 I said, you ain't been praying. You didn't pray for me. You've been talking about praying. Mm. I need to know what you're praying to, so I need to know what to rebuke. Because some people will pray for you and some people will pray on you. Mm. And so he was like, it's going to be consecrated. Once it's consecrated, don't nobody touch it. Don't touch it. Only certain people can carry it. And when you carry it, the only way you can carry it is by the poles. Because I am committed. With the tablets on the inside and Aaron's rod on the inside, I'm committed to come down between the cherubims, the mercy seat, that, that lid. That's really where the weight was, on the lid. Because everything else was wood wrapped in gold, but the lid was solid. <laughs> and God says, I'll come down and the mister was solid. <laughs> I'm going to come down in the midst of where the cherubims are facing one another. And, and this is why you can, you can connect with God by yourself. But there's a weight of God that you'll never, there's a weight of God, there's a weight of God that you'll never experience until you align your terrestrial realm with your celestial expectation. Mm. that's why you have to look at your spouse and say no 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 no. Uh, -uh. we're gonna get this right with each other because i need the weight of his glory i don't want to live without his presence because you can't have god's presence when there's division in your house oh my god you can't have the fullness of god's presence when you walking past people in church and can't speak to them you can't have the oh you can get you can experience the mist but i want the downpour oh you can experience the fall you can experience his shadow but i want his being i want the essence of who he is because he said I can't promise you that I show up just because you showed up but the word the Bible says how good and pleasant it is for brother to dwell together in unity 
He said, it's like the oil. Well, my I'm sorry. It's like the oil. I almost thought I was at a Friday night service somewhere. It's like the oil that flows from Aaron's head down through his beard. And listen what he said. And there, he says, I command a blessing. I need you to look on your tell him, get on, get on one accord. Get here. Let's get together. Because there's a commanded blessing that takes place when we get on one accord. When one person starts leaping and the next person starts leaping, when one person starts clapping and the next person starts clapping, when somebody shout glory and the next person shout, there's a commanded blessing. There's a commanded blessing. And so, um, we, so he gave them rules of engagement. And this is what I want to make sure I give to our generation. Although we are no longer under the law. And when we say we're no longer under the law, I want to be clear. There is a law that we're not under. There's a law that's in us. We're no longer under the law of Moses. But the law of Moses exposed us to the posture, the character, and the personality of God. So you don't get to dismiss it. You need to examine it. Now we don't do what we have to do. We do what we want to do based upon what he desires. There, he says, now I will take the law off of the tablets of Moses and I will write it upon the tablets of your heart. We're no longer bound by rules that's on a tablet, but we are convicted by the words that's in our spirit. Well, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Yes, but he's not obligated to show up. No, 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 no. You can have what you want to have. You can have all the cats you want to walking across your kitchen counter, but I'm not obligated to come there and eat. You are free. It's your house. It's your food and them are your cats. But don't look for me. And some of us do things like we want to do it and then we still think we can obligate God to show up. God says I've already told you what I like. I don't know you should have walked with me long enough to know what I desire and what I eat and what I don't eat. Now if you eat that that's good but if you're going to serve me oh y'all just shut down on me here. If you're going to serve me you need to cater to my appetite. So just because it's lawful don't mean it's expedient so there's still rules of engagement and I'm always dealing with friction about what's permissible for me I am there's a tension with me about it it is it's a tension and I have a great attention I believe because then I'm just not walking by myself I'm a teacher I'm a pastor so now I have to communicate to you what's expedient not just what we can get away with because you don't want your child to go to school and just get a grade enough just to pass you want them to get a grade good enough that they will excel and be honored in what they do and so I always got attention about what's permissible for me and and I'm okay with the tension I'm okay with it I'm, o- I'm okay with the friction that comes with it you know, I'm okay with it. As a matter of fact, I've, I've finally come to the point that I don't want to lose it. Because when you stop doing this, 
when you stop praying about decisions and because you're so free when there's no longer a wrestle when there's no longer a binding and loosing when there's no longer a going back and forth that means you've lost your pursuit for God I'm constantly going through hold on what is it that God wants are you okay with this are you and sometimes when I'm not sure I say well, you know what I just won't do it until I'm sure no, no. And, and what I do, I get in this with God. I don't, I don't really try to go by other people's freedoms. I try to measure myself by people who got standards higher than I have and try to find out why they have that standard. Woo! Because if I, be, if I go by other people's freedoms and other people's liberty, sometimes other people's liberty can put me in bondage. So for me, I just pull back off the alcohol. I know it's not a sin, but the sin is to get drunk. And I already know what's in my bloodline. And I know what set up my daddy for disaster. And I know what destroyed my grandfather's liver. So, 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 so I don't end up getting pulled in. I can't get drunk if I don't drink, so I just stand over here. Because I know how crazy I can be without it. Talking about blaming on the alcohol. What you gonna do when you didn't drink nothing? Who you gonna blame? Man, no, I'm not gonna do another set, set on this message. So the Bible says there are rules of engagement. How you handle it. We talked about last week how the sons of the priest were dealing with greed. They were dealing with greed. They was taking more than what they supposed to took before they supposed to had it. And I'm going to say this to you all. And I say this not only to our church and to our churches. I say this to any pastor that's listening to me. I understand the weight of uh, the need of finances in a church. Trust me. The Lord has blessed us. He's brought us into a blessed place. But I know what it is to take every dime I have and put it in the church just so we wouldn't lose the building just so we could keep our lights on. That's why losing Deacon Jackson was so emotional for me because she was my first finance person. And she was the person I would preach on the road all week. Most of our church was college students. I would put it, the check in her, I would come back and put the checks and the envelopes with nickels and dimes and all the stuff the churches used to put in there. And I would give it to Shanita. I says, pay the bill. And she said, and then she would sometimes go in the envelope and take $20 out and says, him, I know you ain't got no money for gas. Put this in your gas tank and get you something to eat. So I know the pressure of that. But let me tell you something. Don't have church services just to raise money. <laughs> Worship should never be a fundraiser. If we need the money, ask for it. Don't call me out for a whole week of service because we need to pay bills. Don't call me out for a revival service because we want to get the pastor a car. If the pastor need a car, let's get together and make a down payment and give him the car. But a service needs to be about souls. Don't have a church service just because it's income tax time. And you got to pull up a whole bunch of profits and hustlers called prophesying to get 
the money out of the people's pocket. The devil is a liar. You got to answer to God on the day of judgment. I said, you got to stand before God for playing games with God's people. Glory be to God. Don't mishandle it. If God made you a prophet, don't use it for manipulation. Don't mishandle it. Because some people who start off prophetic now and turn into witches. You start using it to control people and to manipulate people. If you can't prophesy to somebody without them standing in an offering line, shut up. I'm saying this for your future. Whew, hallelujah. They, they were mishandling. They were greedy. And, and not only were they greedy, they were lustful. They were lustful. They were taking advantage of the women in the temple. I said they were taking advantage of them. Oh, Lord have mercy on us. I said, Lord, have mercy. This is why before you try to have authority over other people, you need to ask God to give me authority over my own flesh. Give me discipline. I need you to tell your neighbor deliverance is discipline. See, we thought deliverance is the removal of desire. We thought deliverance was the removal of options. No, deliverance is in the midst of desires. I discipline myself. Just because it's available don't mean it belongs to me. Just because it wants me don't mean I should respond to it. And I want to say really quickly to about three young ladies in this church right now. Hallelujah. You will always be an option as long as you make yourself available as an option. Now everybody clap your hands. Everybody. Oh no, I, I want you to know it now. As long as you keep as long as you keep presenting yourself as an option and you don't make them choose you first, you will always be an option. And you will have to smile when they choose somebody else who never allowed themselves to be an option. I'm trying to save you some time. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor the man of God is trying to save you some time. He's trying to save you some embarrassment. You don't have to wonder how he feels. Women need to be discovered and unveiled. But a man, you can read him. You can read him not by what he say, but how he handle you. How he treats you. Now you are too important to be anybody's secret. All right. workers yeah. Amen. so they went to grab the ark of God because they were in a battle this is for all of you who have a Bible in your back window of your car as though it's almost like a good luck charm in other words, you don't read it, you don't talk to him, 
but you have relics it's though it's good luck charms you you use him for your political ambitions you use him for your court date Hallelujah. Yo, get out of jail, Con. Now it's all about Jesus. You, you gotta, you gotta horseshoe over one door and a picture of a man with long hair, <laughs> white skin. That ain't you, Pastor Westgate. An image you call Jesus to keep bad spirits from coming in your house you can't use God you can't manipulate God so they thought they would use him just because they needed him and they lost the ark of God and when they lost the ark of God who when they lost the ark of God that daddy fell over and died not because the sons died but because the presence died they he lost because he lost the presence and one of his son's wife had a baby when it happened and they called the baby Ichabod. Ichabod, which means we got a temple with no God. We having church with no presence. We shouting with no power. And there was a few of y'all here today. Y'all were dancing with no power. You were, I'm serious. You were dancing with no power. And the only reason why I didn't sit you down because I was hoping that it's like the old cars we used to have. That if you get it rolling, maybe to catch. Now let me tell you something. You ain't never got to be good enough. You don't have to be perfect, perfect to praise. But you do need to be postured to praise. Oh, y'all ain't going to say that. Oh, look at that. I said, you need to be posture in your mind. You don't just be moving your feet just to move your feet. Come on, this ain't no hunky-tunk. This ain't, come on, y'all not saying that to me in here. This ain't no juke joint. Where's your mind at while you moving your feet? Where's your heart at while you jumping? Because when you dance for real, oh, something starts breaking. Hallelujah. You don't dance and then go back to your seat and text your side piece your sl- oh, I ain't gonna say it cause I don't know what it means you hear me you can't dance and roll your eyes that when you dance in the presence of the Lord it'll change your plans after church anybody in here other than me the Holy Ghost got a hold of you you went to church and says I'm just going to get through the service I'm just going to get through the service because I know I got some other plans I'm just going to get through the service but in the middle of service you thought yeah look at your neighbor tell your neighbor the Holy Ghost changed my plans I'm not going to be able to make it this evening something came up they lost the presence of God it went to the Philistines. The Philistines are excited. They're like, we got their gold box. They put them in the temple with their God, Dagon. Oh, God. Dagon, they're still, 
uh, uh, dealing with the etymology of Dagon. Dagon was an ancient god among Sumerian uh, communities in Mesopotamia, just like Baal was. His, his, the, the etymology of the description of his name is close in certain languages to, to three things. One is cloud, cloudy. One is wheat. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it seems like that Dagon represented everything they leaned on. Hello. And so when they went back in the temple, Dagon was on his face. Everything they leaned on. <laughs> Cloud stands for rain and wheat stands for harvest. Without harvest, without, there, without rain, there's no harvest. Without no harvest, there's no provision. So they propped it up because they said maybe it's an accident. Maybe there was a little tremble or tremor that happened. And what happened the next day? Because some people believe that Dagon's bottom was like a fish and his top was like a man. So he already has a balance issue. And the next day when they get to the door, hallelujah, the day before he was laying prostrate before the Ark of the Covenant, now this day his head is cut off and his hands are cut off. I come to tell you, anything you've been depending on other than God, God is cutting the head off of it. You, you put your job before God, he'll cut the hands off of your job. Y'all not saying that to me. Any relationship. The rules of engagement. And this so you all know, and I'll, I'll close. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm over my time. Y'all give me two minutes and let me wrap up. The Bible says they took, uh, uh, they start getting sick. And the judgment on them became progressive. Like it started off a little sick and then they kept getting sicker. They kept moving it from city to city. And everybody in every Philistine city started getting sick. I mean, they end up having hemorrhoids, tumors, and then here come the rats. Some, uh, some historians believe that this may have been the beginning of the uh, blue, uh, how do you say it? Boo bonic. Thank you. Boo bonic plague. They took out millions in Europe during the medieval times because they said the disease was being carried through the rats. And so finally, when they got back to the last Philistine city, they said, We don't want it. The, the judgment was progress, progressive. I want to ask you how many things got to happen? before you realize this ain't random I need y'all don't leave me out here by myself but has God ever had to whoop you more than once about the same thing before you realize hold on this ain't random this is God tell your neighbor this is not random this is God and when you in disobedience and God is correcting you who are you going to pray to get it off of you? <laughs> and when I was growing up, my Francis and them used to say, when God's hand is on somebody, ain't no need you praying. I know, see, I, I, <laughs> that's old school, but I believe it's real. When God is dealing with somebody, all you can do is pray mercy. Because when God's hand is on them, God's, uh-uh. Have you ever had, seen a parent correcting a child and you wanted to rescue them? And they was like, uh-uh, you might as well leave me alone, though. You don't know how many chances I done gave him. He gonna get it this time. 
no, no. Well, just take that. Uh-uh, no, no, no. Listen, mind your business. This is my child. I got after my cousin Angela one time because I was sitting in service and I watched Angela get her son and she made her son go to the altar. She said, come on, you're going to dance. And he's a teenager and he'd been acting up bad. He was like, oh my. she said, you're going to dance. And he was like. <laughs> so later we were at the family house and I said, uh, Angela, I saw something that disturbed me today and and, uh, and she said, really? I said, yeah. She said, what was it? I said, uh, I saw you drag Tommy to the front of the church to make him dance. And uh, that really bothered me because I, I don't want him to be scarred toward church and stuff. And she said, oh, that's what disturbed you. <laughs> well, you know, with all due respect, because you my bishop, but Tommy is my son. And he go to school in Danville and they be shooting and killing and stuff. So when he go to church, he gonna dance because he ain't gonna en- end up in no game. He ain't gonna end up. <laughs> I was like, about, about three weeks later, we were in consecration and Tommy got to the altar and started dancing and crying. Angela said, praise the Tommy. She said, I told you, I told you. And I don't know where Tommy is now, but it's in the, on the inside of him. Oh, I said it's on the inside. No, 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 yeah. It's on the inside. Train him up. I said train him up. Do it. Y'all give me, y'all give me one more Sunday. The Philistines said, we got to get this out away from us. Because one thing we don't, we don't talk about God's presence. We talk about, oh, how wonderful your presence is. But David also says the presence of God is terrible. It's a friend to his friends, but it's an enemy to his enemies. Oh, Father, consume me. All right. He will. Come on. And everything that ain't right, he'll burn it up. He'll burn it. This is what I'm telling y'all. Who people are in God is determined often over time. Because people can make a lot of declarations. They can do a lot of prophesying. But you got to watch their follow through. Oh my. Now all of a sudden start, people start changing what they say they said. Y'all ain't saying nothing in here. You got to be mindful. You got to be, just watch them over time. And the Bible said, they said, oh, we got to get rid of this. But some of the people were still not convinced that this was a God that was doing this. They said, first of all, let's get an offering. Evidently, this God got something with tumors and rats. Because that's that's what he hit us with. So we're going to make some gold rats. Now y'all got to look at the scripture and gold tumors. Because for them, this God is invisible. He's a mystery. He's an invisible God. So the only thing they saw was a manifestation from this God was tumors and rats. So they said, we'll make gold rats. But some of the leaders were like, mm, I don't know. I mean, because we conquered it. So how could this be doing it? Because it was conquered. <gasps> they thought they conquered God. Wow. 
when you don't understand that even in this text it was really redemption even in God's correction of Israel it was redemption because they were in Jerusalem and in Shiloh their place of destiny and promise right instead of them being exiled God took the exile And when they thought they had conquered the God of Israel, the God of Israel used his exile to punish the Philistines. And they, and they said, we'll send it back, but we, we want to make sure it was really God. And it's just for some of y'all in here, because some of you just saying, maybe I just hit a, 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 a struck a bad luck. No, no, it's God. But they said, we want to make sure. So what they did, they said, we're going to take two cows. They got babies and got milk. Put this ark on a cart tied to these cows and watch what happens. Take their babies and put them over here. Israel is that way. But take their babies and put the babies way over here. And let's see what the cows do. You know what the cows did? Mm. Mm. What, were they, what were they lowing for? They were lowing for their babies. But the presence was driving them. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what some of us, you, ain't, you haven't walked out an assignment until you've had to leave some stuff was dear to you until you've had to leave some stuff that was precious to you but I still got to go it's driving me I want to go back but I can't go back there's some things I wish I could hold on to but tell your neighbor I gotta go the way of God he's driving me I know it don't make sense to some of my family and it don't make sense to some of my friends but I got to do this and even though I don't even know all the details of where God has taken me but he's driving me come on testify to somebody if it's your truth tell him God is driving me God drove them drove the cows I went eat up my it don't even make sense to me but I gotta go I wish I could tell y'all some stories but y'all not ready for that yet but I could tell you some stories in my life where I've had to walk away from some things that was precious to me some, see, y'all call it a sacrifice when you gave up something that was toxic but what happened when you have to give up something that you wanted Bible says it got to an Israelite town and the Israelites are like oh wow it's in our borders and they went and grabbed it and opened it up dumb to dumb 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 because there are rules so it's hold on so I'm trying to figure out whose side is God on is he on the side of the Republicans or the Democrats is he on the side of the Russians or the Ukrainians? Whose side is God really on? God is on God's side. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
it's best for you to be on the Lord's side. And I didn't make that up, y'all. That's a scripture. When the man of God says, whose side are you on? Are you on my side or my enemy's side? He says, I'm the captain of the Lord's army. He has his own agenda. Don't y'all know that this is, this is what y'all got to realize about the presence of God. Do y'all know? You got to look in the scriptures in Israel. Well, God anointed the king of Israel and the king of Syria. He anointed the king of Israel and Israel's enemy. Because God is on God's side. He'll, he'll set it up that he'll get the glory out of it. He'll set it up that he'll come out looking good. He'll set it up and show himself mighty and show himself strong. All right, let me close out. So y'all know what happened. Thousands of men died because they opened up the ark of God. So it ended up in the house of a priestly line for 20 years and nothing happened. During this time, it was a little complex to me because Samuel is in leadership, but he ain't talking. You know why? Because he had already declared through prophecy that Eli's reign was going to come to an end because of sin. And he had already prophesied to Israel that they were to return. Some of you already know what God requires. You already know you're not ignorant concerning what God requires. And true prophets, when God is silent, they are silent. Don't ever let somebody put the responsibility on you to always conjure up a word from the Lord. You're, you're either a prophet or a psychic. Nobody should be able to put a quarter in you and get a word out of you. Do you hear me? When people ask you, sometimes when people come to you for advice, you need to say, well, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Because if God has not given me something to say, oh, my Lord. I know I done went way over my time today. Thank you so much for your patience. But you, some of you watch longer Netflix series than I'm preaching today. The Bible said that uh, nothing really happened. They had the ark of in their house, but it was like, mm, let's not mess with it. Just leave it alone. And then, hallelujah, David said, we got we to move this thing. We got to move it. And they did. They put it on a new cart. They did exactly what the Philistines did. We should know different. See, when the world talk about, yeah, I honor the man upstairs, that's not our language. We know different. You should have never put the ark of God on a new cart. It was never made for a new cart. Some of you are being distracted by trying to be like other secular Christians. Ain't nothing wrong with these lights, but we don't need these fancy lights to have God's presence. I'm thankful for y'all's instruments, but don't ever let this become God's presence. This can only undergird. The ark was never to be on a new cart. The ark was to be carried on the shoulders. Hallelujah. 
of them who are consecrated. Woo. They said, let's get it. Let's get it to Jerusalem. We're going to celebrate. Let's get it to Jerusalem. And they got to the threshing floor, the place of separation, the place that exposes what's real and what's not. And the oxen, because of the threshing floor, the unevenness, unevenness of the floor, the ark of God began to slide. And the other said, oh, no, 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 no. And he grabbed it. And he died. And the scripture kind of is kind to David. It says David was displeased. David was mad. Because for 20 years, we've been, I'm trying to do the right thing. But you can do the right thing the wrong way. And ignorance will never be an excuse. Uzzah died trying to save the ark. And I've always had an issue with that. He was trying to do the right thing. And why did you kill him? The Lord showed me. Because Uzzah was guilty of the sin of pride. What? No, Bishop, you got this one wrong. Pride? He was a humble man. He was reaching, trying to keep the ark from getting to ground. That's the spirit of pride. You know why? Him grabbing the ark was communicating that he felt that his hands were more pure than the ground. Because if I don't do it, it ain't going to be done. If I don't serve, it ain't going to be fulfilled. And if it ain't me, it ain't going to be done. I want to say to everybody in this church, from every musician, to every preacher, to every singer, to you that's over the ushers, you that's over the media. Whether you do it or not, it will always be done. We don't need your flesh to save the presence of God. I wish I had a help here. We don't, to every Moses, God got a Joshua. To every Elijah, God got an Elisha. You don't have to show up and you don't have to do this. You get to do this. I dare somebody to begin to praise God because he gave you an opportunity to serve before his presence. He gave you an opportunity. Come on, I need some Levites in this room. David says, I get it now. I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong. We've got to carry this. We got to get up under this. We can't let it lean on the praise team to create our atmosphere. I need all the glory carriers to get up in this room right now and lift up your hand. You know there's a measure of glory that God has put on the inside of you and maybe you haven't tapped into it because maybe you're like the house of Abinadab it causes me too much trouble so I just won't touch it the assignment is too heavy so I just won't deal with it I'm just going to take this time in my life just to do me and maybe I'll surrender when I get to a different place in my life or you'll be like the house of Obed-Edom but the Bible says 
He didn't have it for 20 years. Mm. He only had it mm, for three months. But in them three months, whoo, everything in this house was blessed. Glory be to God. It's not about how long I live in this earth. It's about how long I get to experience his presence. Hallelujah. And when I get to heaven, hallelujah, if there are no streets of gold, I won't be mad. If I get to heaven and there are no keys to a mansion, I won't be disappointed. As long as he's there, as long as his presence is, I need some worshipers in this room. I need some glory carriers in this room. Lend your sound to this atmosphere. mishandling you forgive us for treating you as the God of our convenience forgive us for being distracted by other standards forgive us for putting our flesh on what you call holy come on I need a sound of repentance in this room forgive me for all the times I walk past my Bible and the times I was distracted from praying and in this moment Lord your presence doesn't bring me into condemnation but your presence brings me into conviction forgive me for trying to be another musician just another preacher just another singer Lord help me to put it on my shoulders Broad my shoulders for this next weight of glory that as I go in this political sector I won't drop the presence when it becomes heavy hmm. when I go into the school system hallelujah I won't distance myself from the assignment because it's not convenient Whew. Lord help me because there's a relationship that's pulling on me there's a connection that's pulling on me and it's good for my flesh but I already know it'll be damaging to my relationship with you hallelujah I want I want your presence more than anything I know what it feels like to to walk through a season of Ichabod I want to hear your voice not at a distance but I want to hear your voice close again I want to feel your presence like I did when you first baptized me in the spirit Lord I believe you want to use my voice to prophesy I believe you want to use my hands to heal <sighs> but my hands are full help me to empty my hands Ooh, David says go get it but I need Levites to get it hallelujah I need Levites to get it I need to hear the sound of those who are consecrating themselves for this next move of God I need to hear the sound of those who said I know it's going to cost me but his presence is driving me I know there's a price associated with it I know there's a weight that's connected with it but I got to carry it I got to carry it 
distance, but I'm coming back with it. I'm coming back to the I'm coming back with the presence of God. I'm asking God with your hands lifted now. I'm asking him to freshly stir inside of you a passion and a zeal again. A fresh fire and a passion and a zeal again. A sensitivity to this again. No more doing it on autopilot. No more doing this on autopilot. May we never lose our wonder. Come on. May we never lose our wonder. Hey. Come on, worship us. May we never lose our wonder. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.